Good morning. The preaching theme for the year 2020 is going to be the life of Jesus. I'm really looking forward to this next several months as we dive deeply into the example of Jesus and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be going through the gospel of John, using that as our main scripture resource. This is a long series. It's going to take us well into the summer. If you know anything about the Gospel of John, it's a long book. And uh, I was thinking about this and wondering about the merits of it, and I thought, well, you know what? What can we do that's a better use of our time than to look at the example of Jesus Christ and to learn from the teachings of Jesus Christ? And so I'm really um, excited about going through um, the, the Gospel of John and with the focus on the life of Jesus. We really started this series from the book of John during Advent season. I don't know if you were paying attention to that, but basically our scripture text for the month of December was 1 John uh, chapter 1. Well, not 1 John, John chapter 1. Um, and this morning, uh, I'm going to return back to John chapter 1 very briefly and grab a big point out of John chapter 1. But really, next week we're going to launch into... Um, the Gospel of John, beginning with chapter 2. So we've already really covered chapter 1, just so you're understanding that. What I want to do this morning is to have us take a moment and move on purpose from 2019 into 2020. And our message is going to kind of be around the theme of, of what is uh, going on last year, what's going to happen next year, and doing some evaluation and some planning. So we're going to spend a few moments doing this very thing uh, today. I'm calling this message Beginning Point simply because it's the beginning point of our series and it's the beginning point of a new year. But it's really a reflective message. It's, it's, I'm asking for you to participate a lot. And it's not going to mean a lot if you don't participate a lot. And so, like anything, half the response is built into the one who's receiving. You have to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you this morning and this year and receptive to what maybe God has for you. And I think it'd be really wise for us to begin with a word of prayer today. Would you just bow your heads with me? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, as we uh, jump into this uh, series from the Gospel of John, as we take this moment here that we have today, this opportunity to do some evaluation from 2019 and do some planning for 2020, God, I pray for ears that would hear and hearts that would receive. I pray for just this receptivity in our part as a people of God here at Grace Point. In fact, I pray that that would maybe be a defining characteristic of us uh, for this next year, that we would just be open to what you want to do. Holy Spirit, would you just fill our hearts and anoint our minds so that we can understand and, and take into, uh, into our own lives the teachings and the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, God, and we praise you for this day and this opportunity. In your name, Jesus, amen. I have four words for us that I hope will begin to be something we can kind of hang this transition on going from 2019 to 2020. Uh, I just have four words for you to consider uh, this morning that I hope are useful. First is this word, past. Past. You've just lived through another year. You've experienced another year of life. And it won't be worth all that much to you unless you evaluate it. See, evaluated experience that provides wisdom for future decisions and actions produces an elevated life. So evaluated experiences 
provide you with wisdom to make good decisions and to take good actions, and that leads then to an elevated life. So I want you to engage with me a lot this morning, and we're going to begin by looking at back at 2019 for a few moments here and do some evaluation. And here's the question I have for you. What is one hard thing, one hard experience that you learned from this last year? What's one hard thing that you went through? Just write it down, man. You go, man, I went through this. Maybe you had some trouble at work. Maybe you had some physical issues. Maybe you had some issues with your children or in your marital relationship or with a relationship with a friend or just, you know, it could be uh, any one of those kinds of things. What's one hard thing you say, man, I went through this last year in 2019 and it was, it was hard on my soul. Um, Write it down. Write it down. Because we're going to do some evaluation of it here. In our Romans series last fall, uh, we learned uh, some useful things. And one of them I think was really useful for me is from Romans 8.28. I want to read this scripture to you and talk to you about it for a few moments. And we know that in all things God works for the good are those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Uh, for the good means here in this scriptural context, when it says God works for the good, it means he works all things in us so that we can look and become like Jesus Christ. That's what for the good means, that these things that are happening in our lives, if we're correctly evaluating them and, and correctly looking at them, God will use whether they're the hard, the, uh, the, the bad, the, the good kind of things. He will use all these things to bring us to conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ if we will allow him to do that kind of thing. So even the hard experiences that maybe you have this last year in 2019, maybe some of you say, I don't have just one thing, Pastor Steve. I can make a list. We, we tend to be negative creatures. Have you noticed that? We tend to remember the bad things more than we remember the good things. But if we, if we remember these things and we put them through the evaluation of, okay, how in the middle of this hard thing that I went through this last year, Jesus can I become more like you Then we're going to be experiencing what we're being promised here in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you did something wrong, for instance, if you sinned and you know, hey, I, I, I did something that's wrong, I just sinned last year, admit it and quit it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's what you do with that kind of thing. You admit it and quit it. But sometimes hard things happen to us that aren't really sinful in nature. They're just tough situations. And God will work all these things for our good if we will allow him to. And if we'll allow him to work in us and teach us and make us become wiser people because of those experiences. I want to switch gears with you now. Do you have something that happened in the year 2019 that you go, wow, praise you, Jesus? How is just a good thing? If you can't think of anything, I want to say shame on you. What good thing happened this last year that God did in your life that you're praising him for? I want you to write that down in your note guide. But then you notice that there's a post-it note in, in, in your note guides. And if you didn't take post-it notes, there's some extra ones on the white pieces of paper that are posted all over the church. But I want you to transfer the one thing you're praising God for in 2019 onto that post-it note. And when we exit today from the church service, I want you to put those post-it notes up on these pieces of paper around the church. And we want to create kind of this praise remembrance wall 
year. It's really good to praise God. We're to enter his courts with thanksgiving. Uh, uh, we're to enter his uh, gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I think we as the people of God, oftentimes, we don't praise God adequately. We don't sit back and say, wow, God, you've done some good things in my life, and I praise you uh, for those things. And so this is an opportunity to think back on 2019. It's also part of that evaluation process, and remember some good things, amen? Because I don't know if you're like me, but I remember the bad things really well. It takes a little bit more work sometimes to remember the good things. And so I want to encourage you to write something down and thank God for what he's done in your life. Remember, an evaluated life provides the wisdom so that future actions and future decisions then can be based on some of that evaluated life, and then that will bring you to an elevated kind of uh, life experience. The next word I want you to hone in on with me for 2020 is this word, present. Present. In 2020, choose to live in the moment to the full in Jesus Christ. I love what the Apostle Paul shares uh, in in, in Philippians chapter 3. He says that, I just want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death to obtain resurrection from the dead. Listen to what he says specifically. Listen to what he says specifically in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So does Paul mean here, well, I don't evaluate the past? Not at all. Not at all. That's not what he means. He, 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 what he's saying is, I don't live in the past. I don't live in the state of regret for decisions made back there. I don't live in the state of wishful, uh, you know, thinking that I, I wish I would have made this decision 10 years ago that I didn't make concerning my kid or somebody else. I really messed up back there and there's this wishfulness and this regret. Huh? He's saying, I don't live there. I live in the moment I'm in. Because what? You can't do anything about the past now, Amen except for evaluate it and learn from it so that it can apply to your future. And what, what Paul is saying is be present in the moment you're in. You can't change what's happened to you. You can learn from it, but be present where you're at. Now, in this kind of community that we find ourselves in here in Brookings, uh, where there's this college emphasis and lots of lots of lots of young people pursuing you know educations and lots of young professional families and all that kind of thing happening here in town. You know what? We can fall into the trap of living for someday. Well, I'll just get through this and then I'll 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 I'll, I'll live for you, God, or I'll just do some of these things first. I'll just, you know, and we pretty soon we get into this pattern of living for someday, and that's a big challenge for a college town where so many are preparing for someday. Be present where you're at. Don't wait for someday. That's a grave mistake. When you're with your family, be with your family, amen? Don't think, I should be at work doing these things. Trust me, I've had a few jobs, good jobs. The moment you leave, they don't remember you that much anymore. You're not as important as you think you are. 
Watch out what you really give your heart and loyalty to. I'm not saying don't work as unto the Lord. When you work, work as unto the Lord. Be present. Do the work as unto the Lord. When you're with your family, be with your family. Be present. Be there. When you're at something like this church service today, guess what? Be present. Ask God, what do you have for me in this moment I find myself in? So here's a question for you to reflect on this morning. Where is God calling you to be present this next year? Write down an area maybe that you know. I haven't been, I have not been present in this area. I've been absent. Uh, I'm always thinking about being somewhere else when I'm doing this thing. Choose to be present where you're at. How can you press into the moments that God's gracing you with in your life? Third word. Third word for 2020 is the word plans. Plans. You have a race marked out for you to run. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now this means, this phrase means, there's a whole bunch of people that have gone before us in this race, in this thing called Christianity. They've done it well, and they're saying, and they're witnessing, and they're testifying that you too can run that good race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So here's a question for you. I'm going to expand on this question. So if you want to wait to answer it for just a couple of minutes, I think what I share with you will be helpful. But here's the, here's the question. What is the race marked out for you to run this next year? And let me expand on that now. So, so if you want to tune out and just fill this out and not listen to me, that's fine. You do that anyway. I'm okay with that. Just, just the important thing here is to have some reflection moments and connection moments with Jesus Christ. But the race that we run could be looked at as laps, running around a track. And at different points in our lives, we have different laps to run and different races marked out for us to run. So here are some examples. This may help you respond to this, this, this reflection question. This year's lap for you could be a focus on your children. They may be very young, they may be in those formative years, uh, and you need to on purpose, on purpose, raise them for the glory of Jesus Christ. Just a word of encouragement to you, if you're in this phase of life where you have a bunch of little kids, the days are really long, I understand that, the days are really long, they can be exhaustingly long, but trust me, the years go by really fast. Don't sideline yourself. Don't quit. Don't take a break when you can be so influential in the life of another human being. When your little ones are there, what an opportunity to instill into them the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't neglect that. Don't sideline yourself because that moment is so formative and so opportunistic. Step into the moment that God is providing for you and run that lap well, amen? Run that lap really well. Maybe this year's lap for you will be getting your career in line with God's will and working for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good lap to run. Maybe this year's lap 
could be stepping into a legacy mindset. You're older. You have grown children. Now you're getting into that phase where you have grandchildren. What does God want you to do in this lap of your life? How do you grandparent well? How do you parent and love your grown children well? How do you encourage them still in their faith? Run the lap that God has marked out for you. Some of this lap thing is determined by the phase of life you're in. I remember as a young person starting my job at 3M, and naturally when I started that job at 23, I was keenly interested in what? How to work as under the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the lap I was in. Run that lap well. Become a student. Figure it out. At the same time, we had our first daughter, Elizabeth. So guess what we were into? Parenting, what does that mean? How do you raise a little human being? You know, all those things. Run that lap well. Throw off everything that hinders, fixing your eyes on Jesus, running with perseverance, the race marked out for you. I've done some running over the years. And I tell you what, running distances to me, I, I, that's hard. Um, I never like it. Some people say, oh, you just get into rhythm. No, I'm always thinking, when is this going to end? Amen? Some of you with me on that? And so I, I find myself having to persevere a lot, especially if you're running like four or five miles sometimes. You know, you get to about mile three, you're going, huh, I'm kind of bored. My body's a little achy. I should just quit. You have to have this determination and this kind of perseverance uh, to, to finish the run. That's the same way it is with running our laps of faith. There has to be a determination and a perseverance. We have to pray to have that determination and that perseverance. If you feel yourself fading, ask God, grace me with your perseverance and your determination to finish the race well, to run this lap well for your glory. I don't know if you've noticed this tradition here, but at Grace Point, when we're installing like a new pastor, we'll hand them a baton. And I, I love the imagery of that. Because we all are called just to run a lap or run a, and to run our lap well. We are not the end and all of the race itself. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are running a lap and we're leaving a legacy and we're leaving a witness for those that come behind us just like the ones that ran their lap before us are leaving a legacy and, and a witness for us. And so what we're saying before you and, and to this pastor is, listen, you're probably only going to be here for a few years, most likely if this is the normal case, and we're handing you this baton and we're saying to you, run the lap well, Amen. Run it as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. This same exact kind of philosophy applies to our lives. Run the lap well that God has you running. Do it with perseverance. Throw off everything that hinders. And look and do it on purpose, man. And look to the Lord Jesus Christ for strength. But run your lap well. So that one day when your days are coming to an end and your life is expiring, so to speak, you can pass the baton on and say, Jesus, I've done it. I've become that cloud of witnesses. Amen? I'm joining that cloud of witnesses that's talked about in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm running the race well for your glory. This brings us right to our John series now. We each have this race to run. And that running of that race, part of the goal is to grow in grace, to to. to uh, Become more like Jesus by discovering and embracing and living according to the Lord's instructions and example. And going through John's going to be very, very instructive in how to run our races of faith well that God has for each one of us. And John begins with this huge promise. So that's our fourth word today. It's this, this word promise. 
We have a past. We need to evaluate it. We need to live in the present. God has plans for us, a race marked off for us, and there's a promise for us to stand on as we go into the year 2020, and it's this. Jesus, God in person, has brought us grace and truth. Jesus, who's God in person, of course, has brought us grace and truth. Listen to John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 for you, a long section of Scripture, but listen to this closely. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of what? Grace and truth. There's the promise full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. So if you're going to go into the year 2020 and be what God intends Your plans have to be based on this promise revealed in John chapter 1. You have to stand firmly on this promise that Jesus will grace you and he will fill your life with his truth. If you are here over the Advent season, you know that I gave you some definitions for grace and truth. I'm going to cover those again because I really feel like our whole series of John builds on some of what I'm sharing with you today. It just blows it up and expands it like crazy. But grace comes from the Greek word charis. And it means the favorable disposition of God towards sinners on account of Jesus. God's unearned and unmerited favor. It means God's empowerment. God's empowerment to come to him by faith and to live in him by faith. It's a very powerful term. And sometimes we diminish the term unintentionally because of our culture, which uses grace as kind of a synonym to forgiveness or overlooking an offense. You know, we'll, say, we'll hear someone say, well, give them a little grace, meaning just overlook that. That is not the biblical definition of grace at all. Grace, biblically speaking, means God gives you the power to come to him by faith and live in by faith. He gives you a power in you to do that which you cannot do on your own, okay? You've got to understand grace is empowerment. Make sure you have that association as a follower of Jesus Christ. Super important. And then we're told that Jesus came full of what? Truth. He perfectly conveyed God's, uh, the Father to people. He perfectly conveyed God the Father to people. He's the exact representation of God. He's more than an emblem. He's more than symbolic. He is God incarnate. He embodies truth. He is truth. When you look at Jesus Christ, you see what? Truth. So Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. He came to empower us, and he embodies truth for us, okay? 
Do you follow what I'm saying? It's very important to understand this. As you run the race of God marked out for you, whatever the lap looks like that you're running, you are promised that Christ Jesus will grace you and fill you with his truth. Before John gets into this promise, he laid the groundwork of why we should believe the promise at all. And I want to go over that super quick just to help you to understand that this promise comes with some oomph behind it, some, some this is why you should believe. Um, I'm going to go through this really quickly, but why we know we can trust this promise. One, we're told Jesus is eternal. As I mentioned before, the book of John begins a little differently from the other Gospels. He, he begins with the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, where the other Gospels begin with the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think partly because John is trying to get us to understand who Jesus is and, and what he's doing for us. He came bringing grace and truth. He's divine. He's supernatural. Secondly, we're told Jesus is creator. He was there in the creation of the world. He knows us. He knows the blueprint behind us, so to speak. Therefore, he's able to give us, his creation, what we need, which is what? Grace and truth. That's creator. He says, you need my grace, you need my truth. Amen? Thirdly, we're told Jesus is light. He's spiritual illumination of God. He's not just some light shining in the distance. He is the source of light that sheds understanding on life. And he will fill us then with grace and truth, shedding light on our lives so we can clearly see our lives as they really are. And lastly, and this is kind of a Hebrew thing, John the Baptist testified about Jesus. When they wanted to make a point that we had to listen to something, oftentimes in that Hebrew culture, they would have a testimony of one or two people kind of witnessing to why you should take this person and what they're saying uh, and take it to heart. Well, John came before Jesus Christ as a forerunner saying, take to heart what Jesus says. He's the son of God. He's one testifying uh, of Jesus Christ, lending credibility to the message of Jesus Christ. And what's the message of Jesus Christ? He came full of grace and truth. So what I pray this morning is that this first Sunday message of 2020 sets the tone for what lies ahead. Remember these four words. Remember these four words. Past. 2019, what happened to you? Good and bad. What are you learning from it? What is God doing in you? Evaluate that experience. Gain wisdom from it so that when you make decisions in the future and, and take courses of action in the future, they'll be built on some of that wisdom of experience rightly, rightly understood in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you'll live an elevated life. Secondly, remember, live in the present. Be where you're at. Be in the moment. When you're with your family, be with your family. When you're at your kid's sporting event, be at the sporting event. Don't be thinking, I should be working. When you're working, work as under the Lord. When you're recreating and you're supposed to be having a good time out there, actually have a good time. Amen? That's okay to do that. The only time you can just drift is if you're mowing the yard. That's okay. Don't think about that. That doesn't matter. I'm just, you, you follow what I'm saying. But be present. It's so important to be present. And then plans. God has a lap for you to run. What's the lap he wants you to run this year? Is it... Something formative in your family? Is it in, you know, putting into your children? Is it, is, it, is it a career thing? Is it maybe a legacy thing for you? What does God have for you to run this year? Run it 
with due diligence, with perseverance, throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and all the distractions, throw that off and run the course that Christ has marked out for you. And remember, we can stand on this promise. Jesus has come full of grace and truth, amen? Stand on that promise that he will empower your life and that he is the embodiment of truth. Are you ready for a ride in John? Because it begins next week like crazy. When I was thinking of John, I thought of roller coasters. And the gospel of John's like a giant roller coaster. Any of you ever been to Wild Thing at Valley Fair? There it is. Wild Thing, you make my heart sing, right? Well, at the beginning point of Wild Thing, you go up this part of the ride that goes 207 feet in the air. I wish I could say I experienced this. I have not, but my wife has. I went on the corkscrew about 30 times, but I looked at that and said, nah, that's a puking machine for me. So I, I, I have motion sickness really bad, and I looked at that and thought, about the third turn, I'm pretty sure I'd be leaning over the edge of that cart, depositing whatever I had in my stomach on those below me. That would not have been a pleasant experience. So anyway, when you go up this ride, you go up and up and up and up and up until you get to the 207-foot elevation. You know why, right? You're getting the energy and you're getting the height to take the ride ahead. You need that height. You need that energy for the ride that's going to follow that moment, right? And if you love roller coasters, as you're going, click-click-clack, up that. You know what I'm saying, right? A lot of people first hour looked at me like, I said, you haven't done roller coasters, have you? They clickety-clack, clickety-clack, and you just go, oh, and you get there and you go, and then you just go like crazy, right? Amen? If, if you like that kind of thing. Um, and, and this is like, like the book of John. What, what we've heard in the first chapter is John, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. We're going up, we're going up, we're going up. And we're understanding these things about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going up, we're going up, we're going up. And it gets us to this 207-foot elevation point. And he says, Jesus has come full of grace and truth. It's like, okay, now you're ready for the ride. You know who Jesus is. He's come full of grace and truth. And now, whoo, we're going to go on a ride in John. And first thing we're going to learn about is the person of the Holy Spirit. That he empowers our lives in a way that we can't even imagine. Oh, okay, and then we take the next turf and we're going to go right to this making of a miracle. We're going to learn what, what, what goes into this, this miracle-making thing that Jesus does and the truth behind it and power. You follow? And we're in this ride, but it's all built on this height and this elevation of understanding that Jesus has come full of what? Grace and truth. And then John just blows that apart. The rest of the book just talks about what that means. And we're on this roller coaster of a ride. You ready for that ride? I don't know if that helps. I'm ready for the ride. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead.